Hey, welcome to Poetry Says. I'm Alice. Got some little Melbourne doves outside helping me with recording today. And uh, today's episode is going to be about a poet who I don't think many Australian poetry fans are that familiar with. Um, his name is Sid Corman. And at the moment, I'm doing another Coursera course through Al Phil Reese's Modern and Contemporary American Poetry. Um, all about Sid Corman. So in the off season, as it were, the Modpo people do what's called slowpo. So they look in depth at one poet quite slowly over a number of weeks. And at the moment, we're working our way through some poetry from Sid Corman. And Sid was born in the US. Uh, I think he was born around Boston. But he spent the majority of his working life in Japan. He actually lived in Kyoto and married a Japanese woman. They started a cafe there and he was writing poetry all throughout his life. He published so many books, a crazy number of books. But he also used to host readings and um, have people around to this cafe. And you can actually hear recordings of those readings and those meetings that happened around the, I think it was the 1970s. And it's just amazing to kind of hear them all sitting there talking about Emily Dickinson or William Carlos Williams, that kind of thing. So he was a really interesting figure. He's defined pretty often more by the people around him. So when people talk about Corman, they say, oh yeah, he was friends with George Oppen and Robert Creeley and, you know, he's part of this and that movement and scene. But I think because his poetry is so spare and he writes such short, dense poems, there's something about them. They take quite a bit of work to get into sometimes and they're not immediately impressive, I guess. It's a lot like if you were to look at a piece of Japanese calligraphy, for example, and at first glance you're like, oh yeah, somebody's got a brush and scribbled on a page and yeah, it is what it is, you know, not really realizing that to get that one stroke you have to practice drawing that character over and over and over again. And uh, yeah, I think that's what Sid's poems do. They're like poems in a single stroke. Um, and to illustrate this, I wanted to tell a little story of when I bought the only Sid Corman book I have at the moment. It's called Nothing Doing. Um, I went to the bookshop to buy this one and I had to get it because you hardly ever see Sid Corman on the shelves here. And I took it up to the counter and the bookseller said, oh, Sid Corman, yeah. When I was the editor of this journal, he used to send me these poems and they were great, but he wanted a whole page for them and they're just so short. And I thought, yeah, I can't do that. I can't give him an entire page for one poem, which is really interesting because if you look at journals, the way that journals publish poetry at the moment, more often, well, sometimes there will be... Um, a couple of poems per page and Sid wasn't having this at all he needed the white space he's a poet who for whom the white space is as much a part of the poem as the words itself so yeah it definitely has a function all that space on the page so yeah the impression I got was that that was it for him in this journal the poems didn't get published in Australia <laughs> Which is a shame because, yeah, they're just incredibly beautiful. So it's really fun doing this course and going through 
a bunch of common poems really slowly and looking at them in depth and doing a big collaborative close reading over a week. It's also a really low pressure way to get into poetry like this. You can dip in and out. You don't have to check your email every day and keep up with anything. You just kind of touch in when you feel like you want to. And if you're interested in that kind of thing, I will link to the site where they're running those courses because there's one coming up on Frank O'Hara, there's Bernadette Mayer, and there's a couple of others coming up throughout the year. So you might want to look into that. But to get back to Sid, so on the back of this book that I've got, which is called Nothing Doing, there's a little quote from a writer called Robert Kelly, and he says, nobody knows how to do so much with so few words as Corman. And I think that's just a fantastic way to sum it up. One of the poems in this book goes, there's only one poem. This is it. That's all there is. See, it's all about the white space. You just, he's not going to give you any more than that. But how fantastic is that moment, that one single stroke of a poem. But the one I wanted to look at more in depth today has uh, two whole stanzas. And what have we got here? I think we've got about, or maybe 12 words to work with. But yeah, could probably talk about it for an hour. I will will keep it shorter than that. So it goes like this. It isn't what you think, but what you're thinking. Is this really a poem? I'll read it one more time just in case that didn't, it kind of zooms past you. It isn't what you think, but what you're thinking. Is this really a poem? So, where to begin with something like that? There's no title to hang on to. There's very little to hang on to at all. There's no real, it's not about, you know, an animal or there's no subject really. The only subject that you could potentially argue is there is in the word it. Um, It isn't what you think, but what you're thinking. So what is it, I guess, is a good place to start. And there's a million ways you could go with that. It being the thing that matters, the thing that's significant, the problem. It's, yeah, there's there's so much kind of compacted into that word, um, but you're not going to get a straight answer on that one, unfortunately. And then this this next kind of part of the poem, what you think, but what you're thinking. So what you think versus what you're thinking. What's the difference there? What you think may be being your kind of calcified, habitual um, roots of thought that you go down day after day after day. And then what you're thinking perhaps being what you're thinking in this moment as you're reading this poem. Because Sid's always talking directly to you, the reader, personally, it feels like, very personally and very much in the moment that you're looking at his page. He knows you're there. He has faith that you're there as a reader. And he's talking to you, what you're thinking right now. And hilariously, what you're thinking, he reckons, is, is this really a poem? And I mean, look, you know, 12 words, two stanzas, just sitting there in a bunch of white spaces, plenty of people would go, oh, how lazy is that? You know, what's he doing? 
there's there's nothing there there's nothing to hold on to but if you kind of keep considering that question for a few moments is this really a poem you start to kind of question okay well you know is is there a category of writing that has that i feel um is poetry versus writing that isn't so does it have to be a certain length for you does it have to rhyme does it have to use a certain type of language is that are there things that a poem is meant to do that this isn't doing and again talking directly to you what you're thinking about whether this is a poem or not he's he's laying it right at your feet you know is this a poem up to you you make the call I'm not going to make the call for you. I'm I'm sitting in my cafe in Kyoto. You make up your own mind. So, yeah, really, really fantastic one. There's another one in this book that I wanted to share with you that also hangs off this word it at the start. And this one goes, It always comes down and back to this. But what in hell this is remains a mystery. So that one's a little bit more straightforward, I think. It doesn't have that same kind of winding quality that the first one had. He's kind of answering his own question in the second half there. It always comes down and back to this. But what in hell this is remains a mystery. Again, there's that real sense of I'm talking to you in this moment and this thing that is happening to you right now and I can't explain what it is I can't explain why it's significant I can't explain how it matters to you or me but this is what it comes down and back to every time and yeah there it is just sitting there on its own on the page no title no explanation So he doesn't just write poems that are that inscrutable. He writes about very concrete things, about friends, about little tiny things that he sees in his house and his wife and um, little daily moments as well. So it's not as if he's just writing koans all day. It's very grounded in reality as well. So it feels really possible to know him as a person through his poetry, and and that's not always the case, I don't think. But um, yeah, with this last one I'll read for you, I feel like he's just dropping all pretense and just talking really directly. He says, I want the words so simple and true, you think they've come out of your own mouth and are breathing you. And I love the way he kind of disappears as an author in that one he's he's not even worried about you thinking oh Sid Coleman he's what an amazing writer he just wants to get it so stripped back and so simple and so direct that you feel like it's you and the words and there's there's nothing in between so yeah a few little moments of Sid there for you and as I say I will link to the Modpo page if you want to dive in come and chat to us about uh, Sid's poetry that of course goes until March so you've got heaps of time to join up or yeah maybe you want to do some Frank O'Hara some Bernadette Mayer it's really fun so yeah jump on the boards and I'll see you there